This programme is brought to you by Training Tilt. Training Tilt is a complete toolkit for coaches, health and fitness professionals and nutritionists. Combine your website, e-commerce needs, client communications and training plans into a single affordable platform. For more information, please go to www.lisatamati.co.nz forward slash training tilt. Welcome to Pushing the Limits, the podcast that gets deep into the psyche of extraordinary achievers across all genres, cutting to the chase to unlock the secrets of their success, their achievement, philosophies, and motivations. Join us in the quest to find out what makes the movers and shakers of our world tick and what gems and wisdom we can learn from them. Well, hi everybody, it's Lisa Tamati here from Pushing the Limits and welcome to the show. I'm super excited today to have you with us. Thanks again for joining us. If you're a new listener, it's fantastic to have you along. Um, before we get underway, um, I'm going to uh, ask you a big favor. If you love the show, if you've listened before to the podcast and you really like the content, I'd really appreciate it if you went to iTunes and gave us a rating and a review and subscribe and of course, sharing it with your friends if you're getting good value is, is really, really terrific. Now, for the last couple of weeks, I have been uh, interviewing wonderful woman athletes, inspirational ladies who have done amazing things and kicked ass and really turned their lives around and, and um, who are perhaps, you know, just like you and me, when they're not superheroes, they're not, they're not um, Charlene Flanagan or... Uh, Usain Bolt or any of those sort of super super athletes and just uh, um, normal people with normal crazy busy lives and they've done all these incredible things so I want to share their stories and today I've got Lisa Manamana with, uh, did I say your name right Lisa? Uh, close, <laughs> close. <was> Mamana. <laughs> so, again. <laughs> so welcome Lisa, you're sitting in Maryland in yes. the USA, that, that's crazy, that's uh, it's so cool this technology that we're able to um, connect like this and Lisa's going to share a little bit of her story how she got into running how um, what, what a difference it made in her life and tell us a little bit about her story so uh, over to you Lisa oh okay well I'm not sure where to start so where did, you start? Where, where did you grow up where were you where are you from uh, originally I grew up in the Blue Mountains mm-hmm um, and then um, I met my husband who is in the Australian Air Force, so we do just move around a little bit now. Yeah. And that's hence why I'm over in Maryland in the United States. <laughs> wow. So you follow, have to go wherever he's posted pretty much. Yes. Yes, correct. And so, um, there you go. Sorry, the Blue Mountains, what a, what a wonderful place to grow up though. It was, it was, it was. I didn't appreciate it back then, but uh, since going back as an adult, I, I definitely appreciate it a lot more. Yeah, it's a pretty cool place, eh? So let's, yes, it is beautiful. You've got, tell us a little bit about your family and your life, and, and uh, were you a sporty kid at all? Um, I was always interested in sport, but I never, I, I more like the idea of it. Then I actually doing it. I wasn't very good at it. Um, I love the idea of just getting out and running, but I wasn't fit enough. Um, so when we moved to Canberra, actually, um, I wasn't working at the time, and I had a PT who was interested in running, and she said I should sign up for the Canberra uh, Canberra Times 10K. So I think I trained for that 10K for about six months. Wow. <laughs> that's, a, that's a fair while. So you were taking it seriously. I was. I really wanted to actually finish it. Um, so that's where I actually came across your books cool. in that time. Yep. I, um, I was trying to remember where I came across them. I think must have been Facebook or somewhere I found them and might have been iBooks somewhere and then I just – was hooked. I just thought, okay, I can do this, and that's when I just put my mind to it. Hey, isn't that isn't that cool? I mean, I love hearing when when you know. I mean, of course, it's really cool for me to hear when people have read the book and um, gotten some benefit out of it, and actually taken up the sport or changed their perception of what they're capable of. So you know, that's that's a really cool story. It, it literally was. I was so unfit. I couldn't even run down the street um, 
but then when I started reading your books and then I was went for my little 2K run, which I thought was amazing, I came back and I just thought, oh, my God, I'll do that again. And then the next day I did it again. And I remember the feeling when I ran my 5K straight without stopping. And you were just in my head. I keep remembering when I think it was the the Sahara Desert run that you did and you kept falling over with hallucination, exhaustion. I just thought of that and I thought, if Lisa can keep running after all she's done, I cannot stop. So that's what I did. I just kept running. That's so cool. So you just used it as as like, oh, well, it's it's not that bad yet. So I'm still able to, I can push my body a little bit harder. And what was the feeling like when you did your first? 5k straight through running like without having to stop and walk and all the it was it. it was amazing I came home and I was just literally jumping <laughs> telling all the kids I have three children so my husband was just he doesn't get running he loves fitness yeah but he just doesn't get the running side of it yeah. um it was just yeah I was I was on the moon over the moon I was so just so doing, excited it got hooked you got hooked on it I did. <laughs> and what happened after that? So you did your, you know, your first five k in training, and you managed to get that, and you're training up for this ten k in Canberra. Yes, then- I did the ten k, um, um, and that was awesome. I, I had a really good run down there, and then I went back to work. So I am a, um, I w- I'm a chef. So with working kids and my husband constantly away, it wow. just didn't work. So for the next two years, I actually didn't run anymore. I just concentrated on the family and work. Yeah. So you had to, yeah, you had to put your own ambitions aside for a while to actually knuckle down and really, which is, you know, like that happens. Like, uh, you know, I've I've come into a phase of life, if you like, like that at the moment where, um, you know, I've been looking after my mum who's been very yeah. ill and and coming back from a major injury, and you know, sometimes you just cannot afford. To um, prioritise your, you know, mm. your own sporting ambitions. What you should always try to do is to keep your health and your fitness ambitions up to a, to a state so that you're, um, you know, you're doing it for your kids or whatever. So you're keeping yourself healthy. Um, I yep. think that's really important. Um, trying to like carve out a little niche of time somewhere in the day for you for for doing that because you you know you're no good to anybody if you get sick. In other words, no. right. So, so that, that, and then yeah, after the two years, we um, got posted up to Brisbane. Yep. So um, that was a turning point in my. Uh, I don't really like the word journey, but yeah, in my running, it was such a turning point. I moved to Brisbane. I found an, an amazing running group, um, Springfield Runners, and I just was hooked. Completely hooked again. I was training three or four times a night because it was always night because of the kids and my work. I worked five t- five days a week then. Um, kids had swimming. My son, he's a swimmer, so he was always at training. So I would run home, I'd race home, tag team my husband, cook dinner in the next three, five, ten minutes, <laughs> and then run out the door to go running. And that's what it was. So that's what you call like dedication, you know, and, and yeah. uh, that's that's carving out some time just to make it happen, eh? Um, yes, exactly, and, make it happen, that's what I did. And I bet there's like lots of ladies and, and, and guys sitting out there and going, yeah, my life's like that, I've got three kids or I've got uh, this full-on career or I've got this, that and the other thing going and struggling to find time to prioritize but you know you just have to find enough to be able to keep keep the rhythm going so you don't completely lose the plot um i think that that's really important and so and and you surrounded yourself with good positive people obviously yes yes i did um all my um running friends that i was running with were just so encouraging and in that group they had phenomenal amount of people who just just blew my mind with what they did. Um, there was ultra runners. There was people who didn't even run 1K. There was just some amazing, amazing people in that group that I just thought if they can do it and I can do it. And then I slowly, slowly just improved and um, entered every race I could think of in the Brisbane area. 
started to get that real addiction to, oh, when's the next goal? When's the next one? Exactly, exactly. And that's what happened. And then um, I'm going to backtrack a bit. When I was in Canberra, I um, saw the, uh, my ultimate run, which was the Big Red Run. I saw that back in 2011 or 12. Yep. And back then I wasn't running. As I said before, I wasn't running. I just had this brochure and I said to my husband, Mike, I said, I'm going to do this. And he goes, babe, that's 250Ks in the desert running. <laughs> I said, yes, I know. And he goes, you don't run. And I said, I know, but I'm going to do this. Wow. And I had that brochure and I didn't tell anyone. I only told my husband, Michael, that I wanted to do it. And I didn't tell anybody. It was just my little thing. And then when I moved to Brisbane and then I was running and training and just surrounding myself with the most amazing supportive people who were just doing crazy, crazy things. It's addictive. Um, <laughs> when you see other people doing extreme, eh? Yeah. I just I slowly brought up my little dream run and I made it happen. Wow. So how many, did it take you a couple of years to get there for once you hit Brisbane? Uh, no, we moved, <clears throat> I think it was 2015, that's when I started running, I think that's when I did a couple of 10Ks and then a 15Ks, but then 2016 was the year that I did um, a couple of half marathons, I did um, uh a couple of marathons, yep. and then I just also a couple of ultras. <laughs> <laughs> All within one year. So you just went hard out in that one year. Just went yeah, from from. How did you lift up your training? Like, how did you change your perception to going from being this person who was just running two k's, and then you know, and you weren't consistent in that first couple of years, and then you got to five, mm -hmm. but you got to ten. Did, you, did your horizon just keep getting progressively pushed out a little bit? Oh, I think it can go a little bit more. I think it can go a bit more. Yeah, I think I um, I just educated myself. I asked a bunch of questions around the people that I was with. One of my good friends was a physio and he, he's an ultramarathon runner, so I would ask him lots of questions. Um, and I did speed work. I mixed it up. I just didn't run. But I also just mainly did it because I enjoyed it. It was fun. Yeah. And then once I ticked that box of the half marathon, I went, okay, I want to do a marathon. Yeah. So then I trained for that one. I went, okay, that one's done. I want to do it 50. So I just kept going. But you didn't have any moments where you, you know, got to the finish line and thought, never again? Uh, not at the finish line. Always during. Always <laughs> during. <laughs> always. It's a bit, yeah. the finish line. It's always, when's the next one? Yeah, when's the next one? By the time you got to the finish line, got that medal around your neck, and it's like, woo, yeah. I did it. That's um, right. And, and then you did a 50K? Which one was that? I did, um, it was called K to D on the Gold Coast. It was running from Broad Beach, I believe, down to Coolangatta and back again. Um, and that was in summer. Whoa. So that was in December and I remember entering that and I thought, why am I doing this? I'm, I don't want to run 50Ks on the Gold Coast in summer. That's just ridiculous. But then I thought, what's my goal? My goal was Big Red Run in 2017. Wow. So I've never ran 50Ks. The first was 40, 42, like the marathon. And I thought, I really want to run this in the heat with no support and, well, by myself, not like I had friends around yeah. me, but running it by myself for mentally. I really wanted to see how mentally I will cope for the Big Red Run next year, like the following year. Right. So it was just a training mentally run for oh, me, yeah. if that makes yeah. sense. Totally, yeah, totally. And I, and, I, and I highly recommend that because that's, that's yeah, picking something where it's going to be like it, not as hard as the Big Red Run, obviously. Yeah. Not by long shot, but it's going to be hard. And it's mm. the furthest you have ever gone, and it might be not exactly the most spectacular or the best or the craziest, um, most exotic place or whatever. But it's um, something that that will help you psychologically. You know, like um, it's the same with any training programs for marathons and stuff. I mean, I'm not uh, when we coach, we we were totally against the old traditional high mileage model, unless you're a 20 year old 
elite athlete, that high mileage model is, is not the ideal way to do it. However, there are a couple of times where you have to have done that for your psychology. You have to have yeah. done a longer distance so that you're prepared psychologically. You can go, I, I did that much. So mm. I, I will be right on the day. And I think that, you know, doing something like that, that's emulating the conditions of the or dream race um, mm -hmm. is a very, very good strategic move. So, again, I always don't have the good lead up because, as I said, my husband is in the Air Force. So prior to that particular 50K Ultra, Michael was away eight weeks or six weeks prior to that. Yep. I think I actually only ran about five or six times during that whole time. So I know physically I wasn't um, at my <laughs> best, yeah. Yeah. but I didn't enter it to get a PB with time. I entered it just to see how I would survive in those conditions for that long. Awesome. Yeah, pushing yourself outside that comfort zone to find out what you're made of and what happens, mm. how do you react and, and this is the but this is what I the love about ultra marathon running. It is all about learning about yourself, rather than just about fitness and and sport and coming first or you know the medal at the finish line. It is about like you say the journey is an overused word, but it is yes. about the journey that you go on uh, inside and and who you're becoming, who you're becoming when you when you take on these you know big massive challenges did you find yeah. an internal change in yourself i i did i was um i didn't think i was a very determined person people have mentioned it in the past but i truly believed it because it was just ridiculously hot i went through so many bags of water, like liters of water and i was saying no that's it i want to stop i want to I want to stop, this is too hot, I can't do this, I've got cramps, I've got this. But then you just keep going. Yeah. When you're at that point, your mind just goes, no, you want to finish, you want to finish. And then I just kept going and going and then until I finished, it was, something just took over me and then I just thought, wow, I just pushed through all that. And then it was amazing after that, reflecting back on that run, it was just like that was a terrible, terrible run um, time-wise and physically and but I actually pushed through all those barriers and I got it done exactly and that taught you so, a heck of a lot about who you are then mm, and what you're capable yes. of and do you find that it helps you in other areas of life then absolutely um, it, with Michael away all the time and then I've got the kids and I've got work it's just like when I think oh I'm tired I've had enough you just keep going and then you do. You, I actually sometimes think of my running going, well, I, well, I remember that run. And then you just keep going. You, you just push through. You just keep going. You, you, you're determined. Yeah, you fight, you cry, you have a little moan to yourself and then you pick Absolutely. yourself up and you put your one foot in front of the other. And I think that that's what you learn mostly from running is persistence. You know, that, mm -hmm. And that little wee steps can take you such a long way. Mm. thousands of tiny and that's the same you know when any goal that you've got tiny wee little steps of action can take you on these massively long journeys that that it seem incomprehensible and by the same token if you've got a big goal and you break it down into little wee bite-sized pieces of this is what I've got to do today to get there mm -hmm. so I tick off those little things and you know I'm on my way I'm on my way um, yeah and then when the going gets tough, it's fighting through those voices in your head that are going, just stop. Why are you doing this? You know, the motivation st stuff starts to happen. You know, why am I doing this? What is my reason? So I think it's really important that we, you know, have those conversations when we're going into a serious battle like a 50K or, or whatever race, um, that we have those conversations. What am I prepared to go through how how much am I willing to put on the line to get this goal done you know am I willing to withstand pain am I willing to handle the suffering even though my build up's been crap and I haven't had the time am I mentally in the right space to get there you know yes so, and I find if I really want to do something yep 
nothing is going to stop me. I can just do it. That's and awesome. And if I really believe that I can do it, I'll do it. Exactly. That's just crazy when I think of it because um, I don't finish day-to-day tasks. I'm, I'm unorganized. Yep. But if I really want to do something, like I really wanted to do that run, that 50K in, um, on the Gold Coast, mentally I really wanted to get that done. So I, d- I did. It's something just, yeah, it just comes over me and I'm, I'm just determined to finish it. It's, it's those, yeah, like you say, I mean, I'm the same. I've got a thousand things that I don't get done every day and I'm, life's chaos yep. and I'm, I'm in a mess and then I'm like, Ugh. but if there's something that I'm really, really passionate about, you can be damn sure I'll get there because, yes. or die trying, you know, like that's mm-hmm. because I'm, I, you know, you just have that dogged streak of, like a dog with a bone, you're just not letting go. Uh, and and I think that, that is such a great characteristic to have uh, mm-hmm. because it, it it doesn't mean that you've got life sorted. It doesn't mean that you've got all, you know, it all sussed. And, no. But you'll find a way if you're really, really passionate about something, it's tapping into those. If you can get that motivation part of you going, that, that fire, that passion, that, that you know that grit and you can if you can activate that grit Mm -hmm. then then that task will be achievable you just how much do you want it that is the question how much are you really wanting this this goal so what what happened after your 50k you got that done it was hell on earth i imagine yeah that was that was pretty tough and then after that that was christmas so didn't really do anything over the Christmas period and then January I um, sat down with my husband and I said, Michael, I want to do the big red run this year, which was last which was last year, yeah, January I sat down with him yep. and he goes, you really want to do it? And I said, yep, I really want to do it. And he goes, you know, it's not the best year because Michael was deployed overseas to the Middle East for seven to eight months last year. Oh, so... He wasn't around. That's hard. <laughs> I know. And I just thought, mm, no, if I don't do it now, I'm never going to do it. And I just – and um, Michael obviously supported me 100% and then I told the kids and they supported me. That's great. So then Michael flew out beginning of February. Yep. And that's when it all happened. I – I was always used to training in a group with friends, with the um, running group. So I was always training for my ultras by my, uh, with groups, with people. It was very social. Yep. But then with this big red run, I was out of my own. Yep. I was running 250Ks in the Simpson Desert over six days. Mm. My friends just thought that was ridiculous. That's just what are you doing. <laughs> they just didn't understand it. Even, even your running friends? Yes, they didn't understand it. My few ultras just thought, I've seen that one, I've wanted to do that one as well. And But they just thought, Lisa, really? You've just done a 50? And I thought, no, no, I've wanted to do it for a while and I told them the story. So I thought, why this year? Your husband's away. It's not a good year. I, went, I know, but it's going to get done. But I'm going to do it. It's just <laughs> yeah. But between my teeth, I'm going for it. Yes. <laughs> so, um... I, I just one, one, one of the biggest things actually was training by myself, yep. running by myself. I really had to overcome the fact that, okay, this is, this is what I'm doing. I'm running this crazy race and now I'm by myself at home, like with my husband at home, and I'm also training, yep. running in the bush, running on these trails all by myself. So I really had to overcome that. It didn't take long because I knew what I wanted to do. I knew the big picture. I just kept looking at the big picture. But that was really hard at the beginning to to run for hours and hours all by myself. Yeah, with no no feedback, yeah. no one to help you through the tough parts. But that is the yeah. best. That is a really important step, and I think in, in in preparation for these mega long races is that you go. I mean, I've always been an absolute loner when it comes to running. I, I, I love running on my own, um, mm-hmm. and, I, and I don't do well in group settings at all. So I haven't uh, really had a struggle with that, and I use it as my me time. But I, I know a lot of the people that I coach, and, um, they, and, and, it is a, and I recommend people go into groups if that's the type of person that 
you are yeah. because you can mm-hmm. go and in the times where I do run with a friend or something we do inadvertently run longer because yes. you just got that um, you know you've got that oh crikey we were yakking away about this that and the other thing and hello yeah. oh we've just done more than we thought we were going to do um, mm-hmm. you don't have that aspect you've only got yourself um, but that's I call that mental training too. You know that's part of the mental yeah. part of, of it. Because and when you go in something like the big red, you know you can be alone. You can be alone <laughs> in the bloody dark and and, and I bet. <laughs> so you like uh, so. Was the fifty k prior? Was that your longest event prior to the to the big? Yes. Wow. That was that was a road run. Um, I don't think I'd ever do a road. Ultra again, yeah. <laughs> just quietly. Not your thing, no. <laughs> well, is that so? So that wasn't your thing? No, definitely not. I'm definitely converted to the trails now, yep. absolutely. Yep, totally. Get um, so yeah, that run was, yeah, the 50K was the longest. Um, and But now I was training for endurance. So I was talking to um, one of my ultra friends and he suggested I do... Um, I think it was run three minutes, walk two minutes. Yep. So just to so forget the speed now, forget um, just constantly running because you're not going to be constantly running for 250 k's. You're going to be walking yep. a hell of a lot. Totally true. So you need, yeah, he was saying you need to train to walk. So he's a wise so man. So that's what he's doing. He's a wise man, I tell you. That's that's very good advice. <laughs> Because it is hard to do if you're just training to run and then you want to go for a little walk break and then start running again. It's nearly impossible. It hurts. It, it, and it's, it's training um, different muscles and that's part of what we coach too when people are doing ultras, um, like 100 milers or whatever, uh, especially if it's on trail where it's very, very steep or like big red where you had really deep sand and crappy mm-hmm. swampy type vegetation to get around. Partly, it was impossible to run that race. I found it was it was a lot of it. You had to walk, eh? uh, and, and so you you have to have trained those muscles specifically yes. for walking. So it, it's definitely part of the bigger picture. And a lot of ultra runners, you know, like well, people that are starting out in ultras, don't quite get that picture until they're actually out there in in one of these super long races. And mm. where it's day by day, you know, did you, how did you like when you actually arrived at the start line which is in itself a, a, an odyssey to get there isn't it <laughs> uh, that was the best feeling ever when I um the whole lead up because it was my little my experience um I did all the training by myself I organized the kids I organized the house I did all that side of it and then it was okay I'm catching a plane now I'm going out to Birdsville and you just turn up at the airport and I'm going, oh, my God, I don't know anyone. Yeah. I'm doing this myself. It just hit me at the airport. I said goodbye to the kids and I said goodbye to my mum because my <laughs> Michael wasn't home yet. Oh. And I went, um, I'm going on a plane and I don't know anyone. What scary. am I doing? Scary. So that was, that was a quite a surreal experience, actually, walking into the Brisbane airport with my bag and I had my big red jacket on. Yep. And I thought, okay, just look for the blue jackets and you'll meet these people. And it was such a lovely feeling. And we all saw each other for the first time and met each other. It was just like we've known each other for years. Yep. And, oh, and you, and you get to know people really quickly, don't you, when you're all thrust together and you've all most people are there alone so that you, you, have, to, yeah. you have to find mates to hang out with pretty quickly. Yeah, so we caught the plane out, and one of our little um, stops off the plane, we all had, we all could get off the plane because picking up the mail or something, what the little plane was doing. <laughs> um, and now I met my roommate, my temp, my temp mate, and she was a lovely girl from Sydney. So then we connected straight away, um, and then we all yeah got to Birdsville. And then I think we had a little brief. We had a get together, walk around, little run around Birdsville, which took five minutes. Yeah, it's not big. <laughs> not big. And then that morning at the um, the start line was just determination. Yep. Just let's get this done. Let's do this. This this is it. You've wanted to do this for so long. I'm not a fit runner. I'm not a fast runner. 
Um, I'm a backpack, like I'm a trail runner. I'm at the back. Yep. But I knew, I knew I was going to finish it. Well, I don't know what it was. Yep. Yeah, I don't know what it was, but I knew every day I was going to get up and run that extra, another marathon. Wow. And, and yeah. it's all about the mind, isn't it? I mean, yeah. um, uh, listeners will have, will have heard before, but I did the big read, but I failed. Um, I failed I because I wasn't in a good space mentally, and I wasn't. Um, I was going through a breakup and, and some horrible things yes. happening in my personal life, and I got to the start line there, and I just wasn't prepared for the battle. And it doesn't matter if you were fit and strong and had run a hundred ultras before. Or, or 150 ultras or whatever <laughs> before, you can still fail if you haven't got your mind under your control properly, mm. which I didn't on that that, that trip. Um, and, and by the same token, like uh, on my journey, I had a, a guy that I was coaching, and he was meant to be doing his first 100K, because in the first year they had a, a 100K option. Oh, okay. And he got there, and he was so excited, and he'd only been training. We'd, we'd got him from half marathon two months before, Wow. To, to running 100K. So that was like going to be the max that he would, you know, possibly ever contemplate. And then he got there and his name was Patrick and, and he was so excited. He went to the organizer and said, do you mind if I just run um, the first day as well? And they said, yeah, go for it. And he did the first day and he, and he thought, no, bugger this, I'm doing the whole damn thing. You know, oh. <laughs> and he wasn't prepared. He'd, he'd never run more than a half marathon. And he wow. was like, and he and he kicked ass. He he did the whole thing, and he did it really well. And he got stronger and stronger. Uh, and I fell to pieces. I had back injuries. I got lost. I had, you know, <laughs> shit in my head from this breakup and heartbroken yep. and and all this crap going on. And and you know, and it didn't matter that I'd had so much experience and I should have been able to get through it or whatever. It, it is all about your where you're at in your head. And if you've got that head sorted, even if your training wasn't what it should have been, mm. you, you will get there, eh? Because you're just like, yeah. come hell or high water, I'm getting there. <laughs> I truly believe that. I really do. Because that first day, um, I was walking with a gentleman um, called Neil and I'll be friends with him for life. He was an absolutely amazing guy. And... We basically walked probably half of that because the weather, the heat was just insane. I yeah. think it was like 46 in the sun that wow. first day. It was just crazy. Yeah. The organisers put ice at every checkpoint for us because it was just so hot. So when we finished and I got back at camp and then I looked around and we had professional like, ultra marathon guys. Yeah. In, in, a, in my group and they were in the tent like there was this poor guy on a drip and I was just like oh my gosh yep. like, that's crazy like but then it hit me and I thought wow this is quite serious something could really happen oh, yeah. but then I thought oh Lisa stick to what you're doing stick to your game plan Don't panic. and I did yeah you did and you got through it yeah and you can be the elite guys can end up you know, out or on a drip or in hospital, yeah. or, and you can die out there. It's not without it's, its dangers. The, the the heat exhaustion can can be fatal. Um, you know, if it, if it's to the extreme, and you have to look after each other. But the camaraderie you mentioned, the guy Neil. Um, oh. what was he like? Oh my gosh, Neil was amazing. Um, I I met Neil. Um. At the airport, he was at Brisbane as well with us. But that first day when we ran Shuffled Walk together, yep. I found out his backstory and I was just, I actually had tears streaming down my face because this gentleman has just got the the heart of gold. He's he's had a couple of, um, a heart attack, he's had two strokes. Oh, my he's, gosh. He's, oh, it was just, I've got goosebumps, but... <laughs> When I said, Neil, seriously, you chose me to run this with you? I was like, I can't do first aid. So we stuck together. Um, oh, he was in a bad way at one time because of the heat. Um, he had run out of water. Um, so I gave him all my water. I think I was, wow. we tell this story and laugh now, but 
I think we had um, 100 meals or 150 meals left I had. And I said, Neil, have it because I knew he wasn't well. I said, have all my water. He goes, no, I can't take your water. And we argued a little bit. Yep. I said, please just take it. So he took it. And we finally got to the um, checkpoint and then we recovered and had the water. And he just broke down and said, Lisa, thank you so much for digging me out there. He called me Spade in the end because I <laughs> dug him out of that big hole. And I just and just, just the friendships that you meet and he will be my friend for life. I really connected with Neil out there and I just thought, once again, here's this gentleman going through all that and then I'm complaining because I've got a couple of blisters. Like, I had blisters like I've never seen blisters before in my entire life. <laughs> I did the right things. I wore my shoes, you know. I did everything. Got my blister care kit. Yeah. And, oh, my gosh, the blisters were just... Terrific. <laughs> oh, like I've never seen before, ever, on any human. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. I, I, I totally relate, yeah. Um, yeah. And so that, that was quite good. And what an amazing guy. And what an amazing thing to do. But that's what, you know, like that's – this is the cool thing. And I've, I've said it time and again on the podcast. You, you set, end up sacrificing yourself, your race, your yeah. water, your – you know, for somebody else because that becomes more important than the, the race, you know. Um, and people have helped me time and again and I've helped others. And it, it, it's that's a very cool thing because when do you get to do that in, in our uh, world, our normal world? You know, you don't no. get to, you know, sacrifice your very last water. And, and that's, that's, that's freaking amazing, you know, to give yeah. someone your last water when you're dying of thirst and it's 46 <laughs> degrees and you don't know whether you're going to survive to the next checkpoint and you give them your last, your very last yeah. drop of water. That's, that's humanity. We laughed and laughed about it, but it was just like we broke the number one real desert. <laughs> <laughs> we should have left some water out of it. But I knew I was fine. I don't know what what it was, but I knew I was I was going to be fine yep. um, through the whole experience, the whole day. Um, the next, that night I found out, well, Neil came up to me and said, Lisa, I, um, I'm going to drop back to the 150. Yep. Um, I, I looked at him and I looked at his eyes and I said, are you 100% sure? And he goes, I can't do that again. So yep. he actually smashed that 150 in the end. Yep. But, um so from the day two, we got up and we, I did it again. I started off with everybody and then you just find your little groove and next minute you're literally on your own out there. You're just following the little pink flags. Yep. Um, putting that one foot in front of the other and then next day do it again. Another marathon. And the fatigue, the cumulative fatigue starts to yep. build up now. You know, this is the next challenge that you've got. You've got that build up of fatigue coming at you and you wake up in the morning and everything's hurting and the blisters are screaming at you and you're, uh, you're just exhausted and dehydrated and everything else. How did you cope with that on the day-to-day? -day? That's funny you say that because I actually, this is probably a bit silly and it's going to sound strange, but I didn't think of the fatigue. I thought of, like in my prep, I thought of my body's going to be fatigued, my legs are going to sore, my, probably my shoulders because my backpack's going to be sore. Everything's going to ache physically because I'm going to be sore running a marathon a day after a day, the next day. And that, but I didn't think of the sleep deprivation. Yep. I honestly thought when I hit my tent, I'm just going to pass out and go to sleep and wake up at 5 o'clock and do it again. But no. no, you're sitting out there in in the desert in a tent with a sleeping bag. With everyone snoring. That's it. How is anyone? I'm a side sleeper, so I'm trying to sleep on my hips, and then the hips are going into the rocks. And oh, then yeah. I said to Laura, my roomie, I said, Laura, how are you sleeping? And she said, Sleeping? I'm not. No. So, just chatting, I just thought, I just didn't take into the account of sleep deprivation, yep. of just not literally not sleeping because you can't, because you're too uncomfortable. Yeah, you're on a, you're on a rocky ground, you, you've got yeah. something underneath you, 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 everything's hurting anyway, and then you've got snorting, farting uh, yeah. roommates who are up and down, up exactly. and down, and you're just getting woken every half an hour, and that for an entire week. 
uh, while, <laughs> while running 250 kilometers and you've got a 10 to 12 kilo backpack on your back and it's 46 yeah. degrees there's a whole lot of stuff going on <laughs> how did you manage the long day um the long day the day before um was quite hilarious we just finished our, re our race brief yep that night around seven o'clock and then next minute, this huge sandstorm comes in. Yep. Like literally, everybody's holding tents. Um, the the um, like the shade things down. Every oh, it was just ridiculous. There was sand flying everywhere, and we went, "Oh my gosh, this is the night before the big race." So then we got back to our tent, probably really a bit later, about nine o'clock that night, because of the sandstorm. Got back to the tent, and our other roomie was um. Oh, she was an amazing one. She was actually first female every day. She was a phenomenal runner. Yep. And my other, there was three of us in the tent, and then Laura um, and I were at the backpackers. And we thought, I said, Laura, how are you going physically? And she said, oh, I've got a sore knee. My knee's playing up. And she said, how are you? I said, I'm physically fine. I'm not in pain. But I'm a little bit scared of the big day because the yeah. big day is 84 Ks. Oh, yeah, it's scary. It is scary. I was really scared of one getting lost by myself in the dark in the yep. desert. <laughs> yep. Yep. I was like, oh, okay, what do, you, what, what do you want to do? So then that night I said, Laura, do you, do you want to run it together? Yeah, very good. And she said, um, yeah, okay, if you don't mind, but I don't want to sacrifice your run. I said, no, 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 not at all. So then that big day we set off. And she couldn't run at all. God love her. She just couldn't run with her knees. So for the first, um, I think it was the second, yeah, the second so checkpoint. Slow. So for one checkpoint we walked and I was just like, oh, yeah. I really want to finish this. But I thought, no, I can't. I've said to Laura now we're, we're doing it. So, And then after we went through checkpoint one, I got up a little bit of a shuffle and she, I found her, I went into the bush and found her a stick. <laughs> I said, you. Use that, Laura, to help you shuffle along. So then we got to, I got to the second checkpoint. I was probably about 200 metres in front of her. So I got to the checkpoint. I sat down, did all the refills of the water. And at that, at that time, the wind was freezing. It was so, so cold. And then all the volunteers, the amazing volunteers, said, no, you need to get going. And I said, no, I can't. I'm waiting for Laura. Because we said we're doing it together. So then I had this moral yep. dilemma. Totally what it. do I do? Yep. Yep. Everyone's telling me to go and they go, you can't. You're going to get too cold. You've got to keep going. You've got to keep going. But I'm waiting for Laura. I can't do it. Yep. And I've only known Laura for five days. Yep. And then I just started crying. And I thought, I can't leave Laura. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that was the weirdest emotion. And then as I'm running out of checkpoint two, because they're kicking me out, <laughs> yeah. he comes Laura over the little hill with her stick. And I thought to myself, she's, she, I don't know if she's going to make it. So I thought, no, Lisa, come on. This is yours. I know you've said you're going to do it with Laura. but So then I just had to go. And I felt. Terrible, Lisa. Yep. Running away from checkpoint two, I felt terrible. I felt like I, I let a friend down. Yeah, yeah, I totally get it. <laughs> I was so just nice. like, oh my gosh. And then after that, after a few Ks, I just thought, no, okay. And then I ran. I think I ran for about 20 Ks because wow. it was really the surface. It wasn't that many sand dunes. Yeah. And I just shuffled, like I wasn't going fast at that stage, but. I was just shuffling along and I just got to the checkpoint and had my little drink and chips and whatever and then I went, okay, next checkpoint. And then when it started getting dark, I was like, oh, okay. All right, so I put my little light on, put my jacket on, my high-vis vest on and then I was on the gobble planes and it came dark and then I went, oh. So then I got a little bit delirious. I was following these lights, the flags and the flashing lights. But then I think I got lost and I was going around somewhere. I thought, oh, I think I've been here before. I don't know. You're the closest light. I'm following you. But then I had this moment. I thought I wanted to have a moment out in the desert. So it was pitch black. I turned all my lights off and I just stood there and looked up at the stars. Yep, cool. And. I just, I just, I often think at that moment that here I am, I'm lost. I actually wasn't quite sure where I was going. I was getting tired. Um, it was, it was raining, like sprinkling with rain. 
I was freezing and I thought, no, I'm going to get this done. I'm going to get it done. But then I thought, no. So I just took that moment just to just look at the stars and literally I could not see a metre in front of me. It was pitch black. And then after I did all that, I put my light back on and went, right, I just like regrouped. And I went, okay, let's do this. And then I just kept going again. And then I got to the tent, which was the main checkpoint, checkpoint six or seven or whatever it was. And then I went, I got lost. And I just crying. And then I I met somebody. I can't even remember their names now. They're from Darwin, a couple. And then I said, do you mind if I shuffle with you? And then... God, I found those people yeah, because I don't I could have finished that last bit yep. uh, without them because that la- that big day was 18 hours, Lisa. Really? How many? 18 hours. Yeah, that's pretty normal. <laughs> that's pretty normal. I couldn't believe it when we crossed that finish line and Doug showed me his phone because my husband was messaging him. Yeah. I, I didn't even read the messages. I went, is it 1.41 in the morning? I was yeah. just like, Doug, is it really 1.41? Because you've just got no idea of time no, out there. No, no, you've been to hell. And yeah, all of those you know, all of those emotions that you've just described so beautifully um, and all of those, you know, drama points, leaving Laura. <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, I've been on the receiving end of that and, and the other side of it too where you've had to go because you're just not going to – you're going you're gonna to fail otherwise because you're, you yeah. know um, – and, and it is the hardest, toughest thing. And, and they, you know, you are, you are like leaving your mates, you know. You're, yeah. Uh, there have been other ones, um, one in particular was Sam Gash, who's a fellow Australian. Um, yeah, yeah, I know Sam. Yeah, and she, yeah. she and I have been through some, oh, my gosh, stuff together, you know, through the Sahara and through the Gobi. Yeah. And the bond that, yeah. that we developed out there, uh, you know, and... Um, the, you, know, it, it, you know, we were lucky that we were relatively the same. Although in the Sahara, she was ahead of me. Really, she was faster and pushing, and I was like almost hanging off the back um, and gonna lose it. And I thought I cannot because I, I too get terrified of being lost in, da- in, the, in the desert, and I've been lost in the <laughs> desert at night, and and horrible things have happened. So I didn't, mm-hmm. you know, want to get that. But you, if you can find someone that you can group up with in those long days I really really highly recommend it um but it do, they do have to be in a similar ability you know and if one goes down you can wait for a while but there's a certain yeah. period of time that you've got to then go otherwise you're gonna uh, you're both gonna fail you know yeah. you do slow each other down because then you'll have a low and then they'll have a low and then you have a low um and it, and it doesn't usually happen at the same time that's the hub bit on it but it's safety in numbers too it's the other the other part yes. of the equation, um, yeah. It's a beautiful story there, Lise. So you, you you did you got through the the long day, and then it's just um, one more day after that, or two more days. No, just one more day. It's just the eight k's back into the birds field. That's oh, it. Wow. So that's it. And yes, yeah, so if you get through that long one, you know you you've got it done. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. And I I knew I was going to get it done. Um, as I said before, I just. That was my goal for Big Red was just to finish and just to enjoy uh, my experience out there. And I loved every minute of it. I, I'm i a better person for pushing through all those barriers, all that hurt yep. uh, mentally and physically. The blisters on that short day, they said 30Ks, but my watch said about 35. Yep, that'd be right. That, that always happens too. Never believe yep. the and I was a little bit angry when I got to 30, I can tell you. Oh, yeah, totally. I remember in the Gobi we had with, with Sam that day, it was meant to be 99 kilometres and it was 111. And oh. man, there's a big difference. There's a damn big difference, I tell you. Absolutely. <laughs> um, so, yeah, then after that, that was just the best high. I just loved it. Loved it. I was so proud that I actually did it. Um with all my lead up, wasn't great, but I just was—I just wanted to do it. I really, really wanted to do it. And now, you've, now you're a multi-day stage racing ultra marathon runner. Yes, I have, and then I've done um, two more fifties after that one. The end of last year, I did two, did a fifty road, which I swore I never do, but it was for charity, so that was really fun. Yep. And then I did a fifty trail. Um, 
in the hinterland of the Sunshine Coast, wow. which was beautiful. But once again, I don't know what it is. I I must succeed. Well, I must. Um, I work better under pressure, I think, because that day I actually flew in from a thirty-hour flight from Ecuador. Oh, for goodness' sake! On Friday morning, drove straight up to the Sunshine Coast, and then Saturday morning turned around and ran fifty k's in the pouring rain. <laughs> And I've been so it's fantastic. Oh, that's awesome. Hey, Lisa, this is an amazing um, interview and thank you so much for sharing your, your journey and your story with us because I think it's so cool just to hear. Um, and it isn't about being the super fast one or the, the first across the line, or the, but it's the journey. And you're very lucky that you've you know, had obviously a very supportive husband there that, that, that yes. you know, said, yeah, go for it, live your dreams, chase your, chase your dreams and do it. Um, and believed in you because when you believe in someone that you know and they they might have a crazy dream you know um, but yes. if you can believe in somebody I mean I've got a, a young lady that I'm helping at the moment and she's got Miller's syndrome and she's got quite a lot of um, disabilities with shortened hands her feet are the size of you know like quarter of the size of normal feet and uh, and her but her dream is to run a half marathon and yesterday we 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 started off on that journey um, running a first two and a half k uh, run, you know, and that was massive for yeah. her. Um, That's awesome. if, if you believe in people, they can achieve. If you don't yeah. believe in people, they won't. You know, yeah. if you can back them in their dreams, I think that's really important. Lisa, any parting words before we, we, we wrap up for today to anyone out there sitting out there? Um, just want to summarise what you just said. Believe you can actually do it and really want it if you want to go for a 5k or a 10k or a 50 whatever it may be just believe that you can actually do it um put the training in and really want it and you'll get it done yep yep you will your mind is more powerful than you think totally. when you think you're tired you're not <laughs> <laughs> you're not anything near no you're not and and it, you're it'll come your brain will just switch. It'll just you just get it done. You will. Yeah. Well, thank so. you so much, Lisa. It's been awesome talking to you. Thanks. Well, for thank it. you for the great opportunity. No, it's fantastic. I love it. It's so empowering, and um, hope we we get to meet in for real one day. Maybe out in the race somewhere. <laughs> Absolutely. When I come back home. So. <laughs> Sounds good, Lisa. Alrighty. So. Uh, we'll talk to you again soon. Take this opportunity to tell you about my new e-course, The Path of an Athlete, that I just launched recently. This is all about how to develop mental strength, resilience and tenacity, learning how to overcome the barriers to reaching your full potential and stop those limiting beliefs that have held you back. Whether it be in your personal life, your career or in your sporting goals, you can control the outcome of your life. For more information, please go to www.lisatamati.co.nz forward slash ecourse. That's it for this episode of Pushing the Limits with your host, Lisa Tamati. Please don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe, and share all this goodness with your networks so we can impact more lives with positive insights and inspiring conversations. And check us out online at www.lisatamati.co.nz. That's it for this episode of Pushing the Limits with your host, Lisa Tamati. Please don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe and share all this goodness with your networks so we can impact more lives with positive insights and inspiring conversations. And check us out online at www.lisatamati.co.nz.